Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the pod bonus episode time. And uh, Will is not in town again. This is actually, we recorded yesterday. Yeah, we got it. And if you guys watched yesterday's episode, you know that you have to wait until the music stops because we have no one to physically stop and push the button. (laughs) But I actually kind of like the full run out, actually. Should we start doing it longer? Yeah, I think the full run out is great because it just, it naturally runs out on its own. It has a pace that's good. I think I think this ex- the experiment is is good because it's allowing us to try, try different things, and I actually like the full the full song. So let's let's keep doing the full song. Well, now you are um, already replacing Will and his job. Sorry, Will. <laughs> You're already taking sorry, his sorry, job, sorry, bro. Sorry, not sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. So we're hanging out in this bonus episode. We had some amazing lunch today. So shout out to Bep Corner uh, and their amazing Kalbitang. That I really enjoyed. Lots of meat. Yes. Lots of meat. That's what she said. Lots of meat. Uh, <laughs> good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the pod. Welcome back. I We're recording this the day after we recorded yesterday. So today's November 2nd. November 2nd, we should release an episode. Mm. And this one, I'm probably going to put out really soon. Try to get done as soon Could as possible. Could be. It's Maybe just, Monday morning. It's just amazing. Let's just, let's just sit on this for a second. It's November 2nd. You're good. <laughs> it's November. It's November second. The year's almost. What is that? <laughs> Did the the video stream end? They're only telling you to to revamp it, bro. Go all the way back. Zoom all the way back, man. Let's change the matrix back out. Got to start that over again. But um, yeah, it's November second, guys. I can't believe how fast this year's gone. Yeah. Like think blue. Think, think about it. Like the year's almost over. That's crazy. It's almost. We, we just went through Halloween. It's oh. almost Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving even comes earlier this year. It's like mm-hmm. the 23rd or something. Yeah. And I, I mean, so like there's there's always this really interesting juxtaposition between how fast time flies. And now that you have kids, mm. like, like there is no more evidence in the speed of time than waking up in the morning and realizing like just yesterday your daughter was six months old and now she's fucking 12 years old. Like that, that when you hit those wake up milestones, those those moments in life, where it's like we started all these these backgrounds like halfway through. No, this one's cool. This one's cool. You know what? This one's Mars, guys. Let's see. Let's see what the gods give us. Yeah. So, you know, it's just kids are the greatest measuring rod for Mm. how fast time goes. And the whole time we're talking, all I can think is we just ate and like, do I have anything in my teeth? Of me. No, you're good. No, you're good. Okay. Hey, hey, we were also talking about Joe Rogan and how organic and small and homey their entire setup is. That's kind of like what we have. Sure, sure. Same. Me and Joe, you and Joe, (laughs) we all look same. We all look same. Actually, Joe Rogan, what's up, bro? He's my homie. You know, he gave me a shout out. What? Where's my Joe Rogan shout out? I could show you Joe Rogan. He's talking about me and and my uh, race car setup. Mm. True story. Mm. Posted on Twitter. Hmm. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to fact check that, dude. Have you seen? We t- yesterday we talked about your boy Dom Lecrae. Oh, Dom it, Lecrae. Yeah. Is that how you say his name? I no clue. So. No clue. No idea. He did the he did the most genius tweet I've ever seen in my life. What was it? Oh, damn. You gotta find it now. Damn, 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 damn. damn gotta damn, find damn. it. All right, I'm gonna find you this Joe Rogan clip. Well, we, I think we, I we don't it. know how to put things up. 
I'll, I'll, I'll put it up here on the, on the, um, on the, the microphone here so you guys can see that. But yeah, we're going to bring that up, guys. We're going to bring that up. This is a highlight. So, oh, okay. So, so he, he put up a tweet, right? And it's a picture of, um, Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein. Mm hmm. And he says, the truth is, Bill Clinton has never been to Jeffrey Epstein's island. Plus, they only have one photo together. That's what he tweeted. Mm -hmm. Because Community Notes comes in. Yeah. It's like, actually, there's multiple pictures together and they've been on the island how many times? Well played. How smart is that? That's, 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 that's <laughs> leveraging the community and the internet sleuths for... Actually, actually, he's playing one of the, the best playbooks in the internet, which is you want to know... You want to get you want to get feedback on the internet? Say something that's wrong. Yeah. If you say anything wrong, people are going to jump down your throat, correct you. Absolutely, Dom Lecrae, well played, bro. Well played. I thought I saw that, and I was like, that must be the most like clever, creative like tweet I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And then all day he's been putting up all these things. Yeah, he he went. I think he went through like this. Uh, what was it? A Halloween special. Of things that things that he wanted to talk about, yeah. and some of them are pretty fringe, like uh -huh. conspiracy theory type stuff. I think he did some stuff about the Clintons as well, which is which is always funny. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking at a picture of him. Damn, I will when you come back. We need Will to come back because I want to show this picture, and I don't know how to connect it. So let me let me play this Joe Rogan thing. L listen to this. This is Joe Rogan. Shout me out. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Really, just Grand so Auto, especially the one in Miami, where you said Vice City. I think that How would long? really hit me. How long before they do that for the Oculus and give you like a Fucking fake car to sit in? Please. You know how it. wild that would be? I mean, talk about me. My friend Peter has a, he's a, like a serious car driver. He has a race, an actual race car. Yeah. And he has a uh, F1 simulator in his house. Uh -huh. So he has like a steering wheel and the, the do you screens watch the around. Show on so how does he know that? Me and Joe used to hang out back in the day. True story. True story. He's, Joe Rogan shouted me out. I posted on Twitter years ago. Because Peter is a very rare name. Not a lot of Peters in the world. Not a lot. Not a lot. And the amount of Peters who have race simulators it, at home. It's a very small group of people. Even rarer. Yeah, maybe two. You're uh -huh. one, and Joe Rogan's friend is the other one. <laughs> Oh man, that's taking me to task, though. That's taking me to task. So people don't people don't realize, man. I I am a low key guy, but I know a lot of people in the internet game. So when are we uh, gonna get on Joe's pod? You want me? Well, you want to? Yeah, yeah. I can next hit him week. Up. I can hit him up. You want me to clear my schedule? Yeah, I can clear your schedule. I can hit <laughs> him up right now. Hey, Joe, what's up, Joe? What's up, Joe? I got my homie here. I got my homie, uh, and he, we want to get on the on the podcast. Oh, hold on. Let me call him, too. Oh, he said he's busy. He calls back. <laughs> Dude, Matt literally doesn't believe me, guys. He doesn't believe me after all this video evidence, man. So leave a comment and let us know if Peter Saddington and Joe Rogan are friends. Just add him, and he'll be like, oh, that's my homie. Yeah, homie. True story. True story, True story guys. True story. <laughs> so my wife is going to Korea on Sunday. Yeah, two days. going back to the motherland. And she's taking her daughter. Mm-hmm. And we, we, she, my daughter has not been on a plane yet. Oh, this is the first time. Yeah. Oof. And she's nervous because I'm not there also. You was uh, taking a direct flight? Yes. So it's like 13 hours. So she's going to go yeah. by herself with the baby. We haven't done it before. It's like a 13, 14 hour flight. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. So she's preparing these little goodie bags. <laughs> have you, have you, have you guys seen exactly. that before? Yes. There was an Asian lady 
Was an Asian lady? Yeah, Korean lady who, who started who, it. Who went on a flight. She had a kid. She she wanted to create she wanted to give out goodie bags to all the people around her in case her child blows up and starts crying. So at least she preempted their, let's just say, disdain and hatred and frustration. Yes. And smart it's become boy. a trend. It has. And I think it's a really smart idea. So she's preparing little goodie bags and she's going to give it to all the people like within the few aisles around her mm -hmm. and uh, kind of give everyone and then take take our daughter around and give her an opportunity to go say hi and whatever else. And hopefully if she gets out of control, people will be a little bit understanding. They'll be a little bit more sympathetic, yeah. And uh, she's going to prepare extra uh, goodie bags for the stewardesses. Are you allowed to say stewardess anymore? Is that a canceled word? I think it's, you should say flight attendant. Right? You can't say stewardess? I don't know. I haven't offended any stewardesses yet, I, but I, I do. Rem yeah, I don't know. Uh, all I remember that reminds me of this tweet from Delta. So okay. I've been flying Delta for over two decades. Multi-million miler. You got it, brother. Got the got the T-shirt. Got the porcelain plane. Got the I got the got the custom custom leather bag for it in a million miles, and then two million miles they gave you a porcelain plane. But anyway, the slave um, bag. Yeah, but it looks it's it's fucking nice. Maybe I'll bring it sometime. But. There was a Delta tweet that showed, oh, this is so stupid, so so off color, speaking of which. It was a picture of an entire African-American flight crew. Mm. And the tweet was, Delta doing minorities good, and, and, you know, this is the first, you know, all, you know, black flight crew. It's like, what are you talking about? There have been all minority flight crews before in Singapore Airs, <laughs> Korean Air, like Asiana. Like, you're not that special, Delta. And when I saw that, it really, like, irked me because they were truly playing to the the virtue signaling, the whole, you know, you know minority. It's like, bro, you're not that special just because they're all black. It doesn't mean it's the first world first all black, you know, flight crew. Come on. You're just virtue signaling. It actually makes things worse. But the guys that do the most flying are consultants. Mm -hmm. The consultant industry is a more liberal industry already. It's true. So maybe they're just playing to their audience. Well, they didn't play to me. When I looked at it, I was like, no. But they already got your multi-million miles. I don't care about mm -hmm. you anymore. You're not wrong. You're <laughs> you not, not going to go fly elsewhere. You already get nice perks. The perks have sucked, though. Yeah. The perks were better in the night. Like, dude, wow, I was privileged. Flying. The perks were better. As a million-miler diamond, like... Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, the perks were amazing. Now, for being a diamond, million miler, I still get shoved to the back of the list yeah. for upgrades. Like, well, it's, when I, that's also because we fly out of Atlanta. Oh, that's and there's mean. everyone, it's easier to get higher status if you are in one of the cities that change over into Atlanta. That's right. Because they get the extra leg every time they fly. Right. They get the extra miles. Yeah. And they get on a little bit before you. So... That's and, the downside of and, here. And for those out, out there who might not know, Atlanta is one of the biggest airports on the planet. Mm. Um, and I think actually it's number one in terms of foot traffic per day. Busiest. I think, yeah, the, that's probably the better word to use. Busiest airport in the world. So, yeah, certainly the numbers are, work against you if you're, you're living, out of, living out of Atlanta, you're trying to fly out of Atlanta. And I think they do a pretty good job here in Atlanta. The lines are long, but it's not ridiculous. They, they move you through pretty quickly. I mean, it's a well-oiled cattle machine here, certainly, thanks to TSA. And, <laughs> and people think that because you have to get on a train to go from uh, terminal to terminal, but that plane train is pretty quick. It's pretty good. And if you are a, like, Delta medallion holder or you have access to the the Delta lounge, they have showers in there. Yeah, they're so nice. So 
I'm a big fan. Like even if I've taken a shower previously and I got a little bit of time, I'll drive down to, you know, a little bit early to the airport. I'll jump in the shower just because I can use their hot water. What? It just feels good. I've never taken a shower at the airport. Really? Yeah. Why would I do that? Why not? It's like free sauna. That's so weird. <laughs> I gotta Is get to really? the airport early because I gotta right. go shower. All right, for everybody out there, <laughs> that's such a if, weird if, thing. I don't know if there's anybody out there who's done this, but have you taken a shower at the airport? And is it like Shane? Does it feel good? Like, let us know in the comments. Smash the like button. I, I'm a big fan of it. That's I have old, to. I have to take advantage of these medallion, you know, perks. My, perks, man. I gotta take a shower. I gotta get the free, the free stuff because I'm paying out the ass for all this stuff. Hmm. And I also have the, the I also have the the, the Delta Black card mm. that American Express like you know the Amex Black all right big deal cost me what twelve hundred bucks a year something like that I only time I've ever used the um, the sleeping pods was I was traveling to China and I think I was I forget which airport I was laying over in and I had like a six hour gap and they let you sleep for like three or four hours mm. so you can pay rent hourly. That's the only time I've done it. But I didn't even wash. I just kind of <laughs> passed out, woke up, and I went on my flight. So, so, yeah, don't sit next to me on the plane. Are you the type of guy, how, how do you spend your flights? Like, when you get on a flight, do you just immediately conk out? Are you a movie watcher? Are you a reader? How, do, how, do, how does Matt Kim fly? Number one, I absolutely love eating in the air. I love it. You, you, I love you. airplane food. I love it. You can't be telling me that I'm weird taking a shower at the airport <laughs> when you love Class C airport uh, plane food. I love airplane food. Why? I don't know. It's it's super salty, super preserved. It's super... But you can't tell when you're up there, <laughs> right? That's why they make it super salty. He's also got two Jacks and Cokes, you know, or three Jack and Cokes I, already I don't down. drink on the plane. Well, I've, I don't drink at well, all. you don't drink at all. But I don't drink on the plane, and I never did before. Um, I just enjoy being in the air. And eating, I love to eat on the plane. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just part of your personality in enjoying being serviced while sixty thousand miles up in the or you know sixty thousand feet. Up I truly there. enjoy the food. Really? Yeah. Woo. And bro, if, if I'm on a long flight and I'll be really nice to the stewardess, can't say that anymore. And I will ask them, hey, there's meals left over. Like, bring it this way. Okay, okay. Now I know where you're going. If you're flying like Korean Air or Asiana or Lufthansa, <laughs> then if you're really nice to the stewardess, it's really nice to the flight attendants, especially if you get, a, like, a cute one. They're like, you know, like, Nuna, you know, you start using, like, the, yeah. the, the, the Korean, and you're like, you know, extra ramen chiseyo. That's what you do, don't you? No, I you, you, really... You suck, you, you suck up to them. I That's really enjoy the meals. Yeah, but to get the extra meals and the extra perks, you have to do your little, like... like. No, I'm just naturally charming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not naturally charming. When people look at me, they're like, oh, I don't know. So I have to be extra charming on like Korean air so I can get the extra perks, the extra mini bottle drinks, the extra lamyun. Like I go all out and being super courteous and just being like, no, no, you know, do I just say, oh, you know, give me more food and stuff like that. So that's how I do it. I don't know about you, but uh, clearly you're, they just like you because you, you look good, right? I just really like to eat. And I think they're like, Wow, there's someone here that really appreciates the food. Oh. And when you when you are someone that serves food or makes food, and the person that's eating the food truly enjoys the food, you feel like incentivized to give them more food. 
That's the heart of people that provide food. Mm, I get it. And because I'm sitting there, oh, no, I'm like, I'm, you're crushing it. I'm crushing it. And I'm <laughs> eating all of it. And I'm asking for another one. Like, wow, this guy really likes it. <laughs> really Let's like give him it. another one. You know? I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. I don't think it's something that I do uh, because I'm trying to you know, achieve anything. It's just I really enjoy the food. They see I enjoy the food. Therefore, they give me extra food. So I have to give you this tip because my wife and I have traveled internationally with our two kids multiple times. And the number one biggest tip for traveling with kids is the inflatable seat. Have you seen those? No. So, so we have we have a you're sitting on a regular seat, right? And you you it's this inflatable seat where you inflate it up and it fills in the gap where your feet are and it makes a bed. Oh, I think they're flying business. Oh, well, if they're flying business, then you don't need it because they lay down. Yeah, yeah. but. But if you're flying economy or you're doing anything like that, these inflatable things are perfect for kids to lie down on. One of the best, it's like 25, 30 bucks or something like that. So you guys are flying in style. When we, well, she is. <laughs> she, oh, she is. But, but you're going later, right? I'm going later. And we won't tell any dates because we don't want to dox anybody. Uh, but you're going to be leaving later. So this is the first time that your wife and your child are going to be flying out to Korea and if 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 you don't if you don't mind, I know that you guys are you just moved into this new house. That Correct. was that was news. So you guys are also fixing up the house as well this week. Yes, mm-hmm. we're doing like I don't know countertops and backsplash, and now we're in a what do we do with the backsplash argument? Like stupid shit, right? <laughs> and then, I don't want to be negative, but shit. <laughs> and then we found out the dishwasher in the house that came with the house doesn't work properly, so we have to buy a new dishwasher. Oh. And then I'm learning about. Because we've never had to buy a dishwasher before. Every time we bought a house, it came with a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And I never changed out a dishwasher. I don't know if that's weird or not. I don't know if most people change out the dishwasher when they move. It's kind of like whatever you get, you get. We're still running the same dishwasher when we built our house 14 years ago. So it works fine. So I'm looking at dishwashers and they separate them by decibels. Oh, sound. Yes. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. Shit if I know. So depending on how quiet you want in your dishwasher to be it's more expensive but really? it's more quiet so they actually tell you how many decibels it runs at really and now i'm like oh, is 38 decibels a lot now i'm starting to calculate <laughs> can you tell the difference between 38 decibels and 42 dude i don't know i, don't know. <laughs> I have no <laughs> I idea but in marketing to say 38 and it's 500 more it sounds like a really good idea wow that that's actually an amazing marketing idea because the chances that the individual knows the difference none is zero less than zero so you're basically creating a markup for something that's immeasurable correct wow try to wow yeah oh wow so and there so we're at Best Buy looking at these because we found out um two days before the countertops are going in that we need the dishwasher replaced we hadn't used it yet because we just moved in mm, mm. I'm like, all right, we have to do it, and we have to pick something out that's available picked up, like, in the next day. Didn't your previous owners say that the dishwasher was working, though? Yeah, those guys are lying fucks. <laughs> oh, damn, because we actually gave them a good word, man, a couple episodes back. When I first told the story about buying the house on this podcast, we talked about how amazing these people were and how caring they were and how they really wanted a way to help us buy this house. Turns out that they're conniving, they are lying, that they're deceitful and when we did an inspection of the house the inspector said hey i think something's wrong with the dishwasher and we asked them about it and like no it's fine everything works Uh, perfect and we took their word for it because we thought they uh, were good people we find out that it's broken they definitely 100 1000 percent knew that it was broken dang 
They cut off all our electricities before we moved in when they said they would keep it open for another two days afterwards. Ah, oh, not like this. So, just, and we tried reaching out to them just to even say hello, thank you, etc. And they never contacted back. Ghosted. They went complete ghost. And they agreed to have the house cleaned before we moved in because it's like the right thing to do, right? It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And especially if you're going to sell a house and relatively expensive house, like you, you get it cleaned and yes, we're going to have people come and clean it also, but still it's the right thing to do. We did it for the people that bought our house. Mm. We hired a crew, had them come in, mm. had mm. it like, you know, cleaned as best as possibly can because I want the good karma and juju and vibes mm. of doing the right thing and handing over a house yeah. and letting them start off on a clean slate. Yeah. It looks like when we walked in the house after we bought the house, like they took a wet rag and just wiped down the basic services and just walked out. Didn't even touch the baseboards? Dude, there was still like toothpaste on like the counter and like food residue on. They just <sighs> took a rag and they just went whoosh, and they walked out. Dang. And I was like, that's so shitty. Okay, okay. So actually, there's a lot of lessons that we can extract from this, but we won't maybe go too deep. I mean, we're four decades deep in life. You are. Okay, I am uh, for decades plus, and uh, you'd you'd hope that we have become better judge judges of character. Mm. Especially, you're a businessman, you're an operator, you're an entrepreneur. I, I'm same same with me, and you know just as well as I do that the people that you choose to work with, the people that you end up pro proverbially, proverbially you know, making your bed with the people that you're going to sleep with, you know, in this business, it's so important that they're people of integrity, they're honest, right? These types of things. And and it makes you wonder sometimes. It's like, man, have I learned nothing in these four decades? Because I'm still able to be pwned. Yes. I'm still able to be strung along. I'm still able to not be able to call out the true character of these people. So this might be, you don't, you don't have to share if you don't want to, Matt, but what did you miss from this couple that sold you this house? Because we had some glow, you had some glowing color commentary about how well they treated you. So, you know, what did you miss here? I want to say- Were they just really good actors? I'm going to say it is 100% on me. Okay. I think that we wanted it to be true. And because you want something to be true, you want a certain narrative to go the way that you want it to go to benefit yourself mm. that you naturally put on blinders to maybe the obvious cues that we deliberately missed. Mm. Maybe not um, sublimely deliberately missed. Understood. So I think that's really what it was. I bet you if I replayed it in my mind, the cues would have been there. And so if I could interject, I'd say if you... And you were also under kind of a pressure cooker. Correct. The timing was ridiculously, you know, you know, really a short amount of time. And there was a lot of things, there were a lot of moving parts happening. And so I think that the combination of the speed of your, I mean, you guys move so fast. Yeah. Like super fast. We you closed super fast. We went from, we're not ever going to buy a house. We're not moving to like being a new house in like. Five weeks. And so there's a combination of the timing, the speed, the, maybe the lack of diligence, uh, you probably projecting your desires to make this thing happen, them taking on those social cues and saying, oh, we got this sucker, right? If we just say this narrative, he'll fill in the... You know how, you know how the tricksters do that? They'll ask you a question and you'll give them just a little bit and then they'll leverage that because they know that that's an emotional thing for you. Mm. And they'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're totally going to do that. And you're just like, oh, okay, good. And then you just... Block it out of your mind. It was done. They agreed to it, but 
they just took advantage of you, man. So how how can we not get made, taken advantage of is the question here. And that's, well, I think that sucks because you want to believe the best in people. Mm. You want to give people an opportunity to do the right thing. And every once in a while, if you live that way, that you are open, that you're going to get burned. Mm. I think the bad side of it is that you start, you stop opening yourself up to people mm. in fear of getting burned. And mm. I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think you just have to take the risk that yeah. sometimes bad shit happens yeah. and be able to handle it once it does. And that's more of a testament to your character and to your wife's character that you guys. Oh, she was pissed. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm, was... I'm giving her the benefit. I'm giving her the, she the, the benefit. She was livid. I'm when not... she walked into that house and she found out that they didn't clean it like they said they would, she, I mean, she was, I mean, off the wall. She'll lose her shit. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, this is bullshit. Mm. Because totally we that. had a deal, you agreed to do it. They were so nice to us. They met us. They met our daughter, and then for them to do this, and she they, was like, "And they played you on the family thing, big time, yeah, didn't they?" Yeah. That's that's real. But see, that's real shitty, man. Why? That's that frustrates me for you because, like, you just hate to have situations where just people are, let's just call it what it. They're liars. Mm. Right? It's just it's really it just sucks to work with people that are just liars because it just it just ruins everything else, man. You know. Just makes makes you guarded, right? Just like you said, it makes you not want to open up. But at the end of the day, being a good person, opening yourself up to those risks is the better way to go. But sometimes you get burned. But it worked out at the end. We're still very happy with where we are. Happy with the decision. Happy with kind of everything that went around it. Can I tell you something though? Sure. When we were making a deal and trying to buy this house, they told us that it was X square feet. That's what the listing said. Mm. That's what everything said. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. We started looking at the tax records and we started comparing because they live like four doors down from my parents. Uh, it's about the same size. Yeah. Like, wait, well, how is this house bigger than my parents' house when they're right next to each other? Bro. They're like very almost similar layout, the same builder, everything. How much was it off? 500 square feet. Dude, that's not insignificant. And that's a, a whole fucking room. And a bedroom. A and a bathroom. Bedroom and a bathroom off? Yeah. They just made that shit up? So we asked the real estate agent, hey, it looks like it should be this, but you're telling us it's this. And she's like, oh, no, no, that, that's that's what it is. I'm like, no. I mean, I'm, you're, I'm, I'm, that's where you're like, I'm standing in the daggone house. Yeah. I'm like, we were just there. I'm like, bedroom here, here, here. No, you're wrong. But bathroom, uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. <sighs> I'm sorry, man. I mean, even then, and once we heard that and we tried to talk to them about it and they're like, we should go to the real estate people. Um, that should have been the biggest red flag. Yeah. From that point on, we should have been a lot more critical of everything we heard, said, and did. Yeah. We were in a rush. We decided we we're going to just push it through and maybe that was our mistake. Well, you have a, you know, I've seen the pictures. It's a beautiful place. Amazing morning view. Like, yes, let's, beautiful. It's, it's it's there's only, there could be some jealousy there if you guys seen the, some of the pictures on Instagram. So make sure that you check out Matt's Instagram so you can <laughs> uh, stay up to date on some of those moving updates. But uh, I think in some total, if you amalgamate everything that happened, you close to your parents, beautiful home, you get to now home make, build your new home, you know, build you know, update all the fixtures and all the fun stuff. I think in some total, you won out. Now, yes. the journey to get there was a little bit of a jagged little pill there. But, you know, it is, it's water under the bridge. Let's look at it that way. And, and I remember when we first walked into this house, 
And right above the fireplace, above the mantel, they had a picture of Jesus. Ah, <laughs> you know. And we walked in there, and my mom was like, "Oh yeah, they're like a good Christian family. Of course, they're not gonna lie to us." <sighs> uh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I mean, it's it's it sucks, but you know what? You can pick up pictures of Jesus uh, from Salvation Army for seven cents. So <laughs> it's not hard to pick up those pictures. All good. All good. So your wife's heading out to create. You're going to be updating the house. You're going to be leaving sometime soon. So I think we, I think it, your time that you're going to be out in Korea is going to coincide with a podcast release. Correct. So what are we planning on that? I think we do a either a live or record. But I think we record where you can be here and I will be in Korea, and that would be, be fun. Be dope. I'll I'll try to find somewhere cool to go and record. I you just gave me. An, I I know a guy. Uh-huh. Who makes um you know like uh you know the paint sticks and then you have like a face on a paint stick yeah so I'm gonna go I'm gonna get a matte paint stick face and I'll put it right there <laughs> so that way I'm looking at Matt's Matt's paint paint stick face uh while we're talking so we could do that yeah oh I don't know where I'm gonna be in Korea but um I mean as far as specifically uh, but I'll try to find somewhere where we could do something cool so can I offer up something yes. I, we didn't talk about this uh, previously but you're gonna be out in Korea for a couple weeks. One week. Oh, one week. Um, are you mostly going to be doing family stuff during that week? Probably. Okay. Because we have not insignificant amount of Korean followers, Korean subscribers that live in Korea. Mm-hmm. I'm not offering anything. I'm, it's just come, just came in my gut. Like, would it be? It would kind of, kind of be cool to meet up at like a like a shikdang or like a coffee bang or a coffee a shop. Thing. Yeah, just do a little thing. You know, like an hour and a half most type yeah. of thing. Meet Matt out in Korea. Like, <laughs> I mean, and you, all you you get a little bit of B roll and video of it. Be kind of cool, you know. Meet the people out in the ground. I mean, how often are you going to be out in Korea? That's true. Let me, maybe maybe that's possible. I don't know if it is because where my wife's family is, it's maybe like I don't know how far, but it's north of Seoul. So we're not going to be in Seoul. I don't Are really guys, have like, an attention. Like near World Cup Stadium? Ujungbu? Yeah, Ujungbu. Which is where MASH was filmed? Yes. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're OG and you understand where MASH, what the show MASH is, that's where it was. Um, it's also famous for their Pudechige. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to be up there mostly. I don't think I have a huge, I don't have a huge desire to go into Seoul. Really? Yeah, I just don't. I'm like over big cities. So changes every year, though. So like, I'm always curious whenever I go to Korea every other year or so, just to go the, not only my old stomping grounds up Gujong, Gangnam, all that stuff, and and even even south of there, uh, in Yangje, uh, south. Um, and so I just it, the Seoul city just changes so much. So I'm always curious about the latest updates, what's changed, like going to Coex Mall, these types of things. So you're not curious at all? Not really. You just want to be out in the Shigol, in the I, countryside. I feel like every time I go to Seoul. I'm like a little bit disappointed. Why? It's a little. It, every time I go back, it's a little bit dirtier. Every time I go back, it's a little more crazy. Every time I go back, the quality of everything seems to drop, and the disparity of the haves and have-nots just keeps on growing. Mm. So every time I go to Korea, I'm like, damn, like this is not that great. Interesting. You know. Interesting. Because in my mind, I'm like, all right, it's the motherland. You know, I have all these high hopes and you watch it on TV sometimes and like, oh, Korea is like beautiful and it's so cool and so advanced. And you go and you're like, oh, life is kind of a shithole, <laughs> you know, and it kind of it's like you don't meet your heroes. Right. Yeah. Kind of right, thing right, right. where you build it up in your mind as being a certain way. And everyone is there. Like if you're out in public in Seoul, literally 
95% of people are like, are looking like this. Shit, man, you're not wrong. This is what Korea looks like. You're not wrong. I, lived I have in, no idea what anyone looks like. All you know is the top of everyone's head. You're not wrong. I I lived in Tokyo for three and a half years. I lived in Seoul. Uh, like I remember a time when we would go on the buses or the trains and there were no cell phones. Mm. So everyone was either, either reading like manga or, you know, they're reading books or newspapers and you could actually see people's face. But now in 2023, you go to Tokyo, you go to Seoul, you go to the, you, you go on the subways and everyone's just in their like face deep in their phones. Yes. No care about what's going on. They walk like this. They talk like this. They sit yeah. like this, mm. you know? And then the only time they get up is so that they can take a picture and then they go back down like this. So um, there's a lot of, so we're talking about Seoul, we're talking about Korea. There's a lot of really cool sightseeing uh, things to do in Seoul and around the the general vicinity. If there's none of that you're curious about, you're not see, you're not interested in seeing any, like going to like Nandemun or going to Coex or going to. You know any of these these sightseeing places like uh, what, what, what Itaewon, so right where they have all the Korean dramas in Itaewon, right? Pre-COVID, we used to go back pretty often because my wife's family mm -hmm. lives there. Uh, so we've done this, spend weeks at a time in Seoul. We've done the palaces, we've done all the historical mm -hmm. stuff, we've done the museums, which I enjoy. The maybe it's just a sign of getting older. I really enjoy <laughs> that type of yeah. I enjoy the historical context type mm -hmm. of activities much more than I enjoy. Um, the hanging out part. Yeah, like yeah. That, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So if you were, to, if someone were to ask you, if someone were to ask you, hey, I'm going to Korea for the first time. I'm going to be hanging out in Seoul. What would you suggest that they that, that they see? I think the most fun thing for me, the most fun thing I've ever done in Korea, was to go to Gyeongbok Gyeongbokgung, which is the um, original palace. Mm -mm -mm. And around there, you can rent hanboks. So the traditional oh, dress. That's right. yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. The guys can rent it. The girls can rent it. And you rent it, and you're able to go in the palace for free mm -hmm. if you rent one. And you walk around the palace wearing, like, traditional Korean clothes. Oh, you look like royalty. Which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So last time we went, we did that. And uh, I wore, like, um, the one that the king would have worn. <laughs> and my wife wore what the queen would have worn. And so we were walking around the palace. And all the Chinese tourists... They saw us walking around in those outfits, and we must have taken a hundred pictures that day. Oh, they thought you were like celebrity. Everyone thought we were we were like royalty. The, no, the, the actors hired oh. <laughs> to be there. You know, like we're the props. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the you're the paid interns that are hanging. Yeah. Out. I see. Yeah, so they saw us walking around, and uh, we took pictures. Of everyone, and the first couple of times we're like, "All right, this is weird." After a while, we're like, "Oh yeah, sure." <laughs> we like leaned into it. I thought it was fun, um, but yes, I think that's a lot of fun to do because you get to be in like. Uh, Thousands of year old palace, kind of see how it was. They've done a really good job restoring it. And it's right in the middle of Seoul uh, in Jongno, which is near where the Blue House is. Yep. If you're not familiar, That's in the US, like you have the White, White House. house. Yep. In Korea, you have the Blue House. Have you ever been to the uh, DMZ? I have seen it. I've been to the line and seen it from the South Korea side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, They have tours that you can take uh, where they... they Put you in like a essentially like this little small rail car, and you can go down these tunnels um, 
where they used to have, mm. you know, the the burrow, the tunnels that would go from the North Korean side to the South Korean side, and it's like super small, super claustrophobic. But that's like that's a cool experience for those who want to want to see where the the what is thirty second parallel, thirty second parallel, something like that, where the 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 demarcation line of North Korea and South Korea is, which is one of the heaviest and most heavily armed uh, areas in the world. Right and surveillance in the world, they got mines and they got armed guards everywhere, shoot to kill type of stuff. So, and what's really interesting is the DMZ is only like thirty miles, I think, away from Seoul. Yeah, like super close, which is always fascinating to me because whenever they, when I lived there, there was there were sometimes news things about you know, North Korea doing X, Y, and Z, and they would bring up stuff like you know they could shoot missiles, and then the alarms would go off. It's like, bro, they're only like thirty clicks away from us. Yeah, like. What would an alarm do if they were to shoot at Seoul? It would be here in like three and a half minutes. Like yeah. you'd have nothing that you could do. So it was always this interesting mental exercise of, of, um, will you act? Will would you actually survive an incursion or invasion from North Korea? So in the U.S., when you're kids, you do fire drills. Yeah. In Korea, you do missile drills. Yeah. Which is which is kind, kind of, of crazy. It's almost like psychological warfare. It is though. Because are you really going to be saved by jumping under a desk no. for a missile? No. No. I mean, we're seeing live stream stuff from Hamas and in, in Pakistan, Pakistan, uh, Palestine, and Israel right now. It's like, do you see the hospital that got hit? The videos? Which one? The, the latest one. This new another hospital. one. No. Yeah, it's brutal, dude. I stopped it's watching. It's brutal. I, I can't watch it anymore. I I watched the first I think fifteen thirty seconds and I was I was, I can't see this shit anymore because it's regular hospital people hanging out in the hallways and suddenly, boom! And you see this one lady's her body just flies. Like it's like fuck, dude. Who like, bombed who? It's I have no idea. You never know. <laughs> you know, one side of the equation saying it's Israel. One side of the equation saying it's the Hamas. One side of the equation saying it's Egyptian. One side of the equation saying it's it's the uh, Taliban. One side is saying it's the Zionists. Like who? Who knows, man? Everyone's just killing each other over there. How we how do we get there? Oh, Korean fire drills. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I go to I I've been to the DMZ twice. And both times I'm gone, I've gone, I always think it's really sad. Why? Because there is an imaginary line between two countries that realistically, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, was one country. Yeah, not too long ago, actually. The Korean people didn't decide to cut the country in half. That was not a democratic decision. Yeah, it was an American decision. That was an American decision. American and Soviet decision. Yeah, American military, yeah. So... No one in Korea was like, hey, we should split the country in half. It was never a thing. No one ever discussed it. No one ever got the idea of the people. There was no option. Americans, and it's crazy because the U.S. always says something, 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 something bad, Soviet, something, something, something bad, Russia. They together made this imaginary line. Mm -hmm. I don't know who decided that they're the ones to make this line. The arbiters of fate, yeah. But now a line exists, and there are People, people don't realize that people on North Korea and South Korea are all from the same family bloodline. Yes, it's the same people. Yeah, literally separated by an imaginary line by foreign countries. Yep. So when I hear that, I think about that. I think that's really sad. I agree I because just... I've met a lot of people who have family that go back to the other side, mm. and people are like, "Oh, you're from North Korea, South Korea," and they're like, "Oh, North Korea is so bad." Well, fine. I get that. I get. I get. That's what people say, and I get. Yes, fine. Like dictator, great bad but the people that live there they didn't choose to live there Mm-mm. Mm-mm. they were our relatives that just ended up on the wrong side of the border 
when another country came in and decided to split in half. Exactly. And I always, whenever I've talked about this, I always say the analogous for us here in America is you have cousins, you have family friends, you have half brothers, half sisters, you have family and grandparents. You live in Atlanta, they live in Tennessee. Hmm. They're what, 120 miles away? And suddenly someone comes in and says, oh, you can't go to Tennessee anymore. Nope. Can't see your family anymore. Can't see your your homies, your friends, your your cousins. Like, Never, ever, ever again. And so that that is the was the equation that happened when they created this line. And entire families were fractured from this decision. And it, it is really heartbreaking. It's it's terrible. And what's even worse is now 70, 60, 70 years in, we're seeing the dramatic effects of the differences between North Korean population and South Korean population, which can be no more evidenced in the fact that the average height of men and women in North Korea in terms of malnutrition, these types of things, is multiple, I think it's like three or four or five inches shorter than the South Koreans because of malnutrition, lack of access to good health care, these types of things. And so you're now seeing this essentially a, a, a division between an ethnic group called Koreans, and now there's almost a subclass of yes. Koreans. And that is just, it's so unfortunate because it's all the same Korea. Yeah. But now because of time and malnutrition and, and, and leadership and politics is you now have, unfortunately, a subclass of Koreans, and which is always interesting because I remember hearing surveys out in Korea of the younger generation is like, and the question is, younger generation, what do you think? Should we reunite? Mm-hmm. And some of those young generation will say stuff like, no. Well, why? Because they're not really Korean. Yeah. Or they're a subclass of Korean. It's like, bro, that is not the way it was supposed to be. The reunification movement in Korea used to be a really big thing. Yes. And as time goes on, that movement gets smaller and smaller and smaller. People get desensitized. We're at a point now where it's so far separated and we're... Over two generations separated now. And the disparity, economic disparity between the two are so large that if there was a reunification, I think the number was that people in South Korea would have to give up something like 40% of their income in order to support the northern sides to become somewhat equitable. Yes. And the reality is no one's going to give up their money to support the other side. And if I remember correctly from a survey from, I think, Sogangde, Sogang University, uh, which is the university that I, that I went to when I was out in Korea, uh, a survey went out that said that from a cognitive uh, standpoint, that because of malnutrition and everything, all that stuff, is that the North Koreans, unfortunately, have cognitively declined. Mm. And so for the reunification efforts to reunify and integrate North Koreans into South Korea, it would be such a hard task because they're not equipped nor educated to actually support the necessary functions to, you know, hold a job mm. or to maintain a job. And so the more time that passes between the North and South Korea, the greater the divide is going to become. And I'm actually curious your thoughts. I, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm curious your thoughts. If someone put a gun to your head right now and said reunification now or never, what would you say? <sighs> There's an argument that it's possible. Oh, right? it's, all, it's all clear, always possible. It's just how how hard is the journey going to be? Germany split. Mm-hmm. They reunited. Mm-hmm. Vietnam split. They reunited. Mm-hmm. So there is a history, but both those countries reunited within a generation. That's right. We are 
on our third or fourth generation from being split. Yep. Even if it wasn't our decision or Korean's decision to split, it's so far separated that people no longer relate directly. Yeah. You're talking about your great great grandmother. Yeah. And all those a lot of those relatives, I think we're probably in the next 20 years, most of your relatives if you had any in North Korea are, are died out. So there is no familial connection anymore. And the global narrative has done such a good job for a lack of word at making North Korean side so villainized yeah. that even people in the South are like, I don't want to be associated with yeah, that. It's a bad, it's a disservice. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we're, we're not Korean, we're South Korean. Mm. They very clearly want to make this distinction now because there's such a negative connotation with North Korea. Again, yes, rulers can be bad, fine, but people are people. I think we've discussed mm. that many mm. times. The people who chose to live there didn't choose to live there. They're just there. Mm. It's that that's how cards are your cards are dealt in life. Yeah. So I don't It would take extreme sacrifice from a huge populace of people. People that are convinced that technology is better, that luxuries are better, that mm. convenience is better. Would they be as a greater good be willing to sacrifice for the other side? I don't think so. You don't think so? I think South Korea has been so commercialized. So westernized? So westernized. We love our luxury goods. Mm. We love our German cars. Right? Not wrong. We love our fancy restaurants. Yeah. Our Chanel, our Prada, Gucci. We love our plastic surgery. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love to portray a life of opulence. Mm. Would you be willing to give that up on a global stage to help your neighbor? Yeah. I, I think that's a really tough sell, man. For a bunch of orcs on the other side of the wall. Correct. Right? And they've done such a good job, even within Korea, telling you that they are the enemy, <sighs> that they are no longer your family. Forget that. A hundred years ago, you guys were exactly the same. Mm. Forget all that. Because you're better and they're worse. Mm. And everyone believes it now. It's kind of ingrained in them. To tell them, hey, why don't you give up your lifestyle, give up your modern convenience to help people less than you? I think that's going to be a really tough sell. Yeah, and every day that passes, it's harder. It becomes harder and harder because there's more entrenchment, correct, and more distance that is created from that past. And I, I think we're probably already there, or daggone near close to it, to the point where I think people will probably see it as an inevitability that we will never reunify, mm. which is really, I think, a, a, a terrible outcome of the Korean, you know, the Korean War and all that stuff. And it's just, it was never meant to be. No. It's never meant to be, man. It really is a travesty in life. It really and, is. And historically, Koreans just, historically, Koreans are very agriculture-based, mm. rural, and they live on this little peninsula, mm. and they don't really go out of it, mm. right? Koreans just live in their peninsula and mm. just try to survive. Mm. That's been Korean history. Yeah. Japan wants to attack China and they go through the peninsula of Korea. China wants to attack Japan and they go through the peninsula of Korea. Yeah. And Korea is just stuck in the middle trying to like, hey, everyone just leave us alone. Yeah. We just want to live our yeah, lives. Get the fuck out. And all of a sudden someone comes in, splits it in half and, you know, and one becomes the communist experiment and one becomes the capitalist experiment. And both sides, not that great. Not that great at all. I mean, one could obviously argue that being on the capitalist side is better. Sure. Of course it is. But seeing the repercussions, seeing we've talked about this before, 
that that the chance of Koreans being able to survive more than a hundred years as a people is very low. Right. Because the rate of birth is so low. Yep. People are not getting married. People are not having kids. Mm -hmm. uh, one, because it's been so liberalized. Number two, it's so damn expensive to have a family. Oh, man, I know. That people can't afford it because the price of real estate is so expensive. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see what's happening to the big cities here in the United States and America, you can you can learn a lot yeah, from seeing what's happening in Korea. Yeah, go to Korea. Korea is like Korea is like the preamble. Yes, it's like the introduction of the book. Yeah, like it, it's it, what's happening in Korea as a microcosm uh, is happening at the macro level here in America. I always I, I always like to look at Korea as like the Naples of America, where it's just this like ritzy area, super you know super nice, or like this island idea where they're just they're they're all they're all mashed together and they don't realize that there's greater things outside of themselves. You know, mm. so you're going to Korea. If you could choose one thing that you that that you're excited to see other than family and friends out in Korea, what would that be? My Is favorite your... thing to eat. Okay, I'm I'm big on that. My favorite thing to eat while I'm in Korea is eel. What? Eel. What? I love eel. Really? That's just delicious, bro. Why? It's so good. They take fresh eel. <laughs> I mean, I know. And I you <laughs> you cut it up and you put it like if you've ever done Korean barbecue, it's done the same way or mm. similar way, except instead of beef or pork. It or chicken, it's eel. Mm. It's phenomenal. Okay. And you eat it with a little bit of like the, uh, some sort of leaf and you mm -hmm. put a little ginger and garlic and that's the bomb. All right. It's so, hard to find here. Yeah. It's, it's, people don't really go out and catch eel. <laughs> so I'm, I'm expecting in our Discord, I'm expecting on the internets, <sighs> on the Twitters, on the tweeters, you'll be posting in a couple of eel food pictures when oh, yeah. you're out in Korea. Oh, yeah. I love eel. That sounds good. It's so good. That sounds good. I, I'm wondering, I mean, trips out to Asia are often opportunities to do, you know, a layover somewhere. Mm. Have you thought about doing a layover in like Tokyo, Narita or, you know? No. 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 Let, let me ask you this. Are, are you, have you ever been to Japan? Uh-huh. Do you like it there? When people say, I'm going to, a lot of people ask me before they do their Asia trip, people will call me. Mm. Hey, Matt, we're going to go to Korean Japan. Mm. Like, do you have any recommendations or mm. whatever else, mm. right? Because mm. I'm like the token Asian guy for a lot of people. <laughs> I get it. Awesome. It's because he golfs with a bunch of white dudes. <laughs> so they always call me and ask me. And I always tell them the same thing. Go to Korea first and then go to Japan. Uh -huh. Not the other way around. Because uh -huh. a lot of people will go, because you can one stop in Narita and mm. then go to Seoul. Yeah, And you can get off and go. Yeah, exactly. So that's the route a lot of people take. That's the wrong way to go. Yeah, because... Tokyo's better. <laughs> you have to go to Seoul first. You have to go to Incheon first. And then you got to go to Japan. Mm. Because if you go to Japan first, Japan is so spotlessly clean. Not wrong. So if you go to Japan and it's so clean everywhere and everything is so organized with all the chaos, it's controlled chaos. Mm. And then you go to Korea next, you're like, oh my gosh, this place is a dump. Yeah. It you, almost you get that feeling it right It creates away. the wrong expectation. Correct. I understand. Because you think that... Because it's an Asian country at a very similar size, mm. that it would be very similar. Mm. It is not organized like Japan is organized. It's mm. not clean like Japan is. Mm. But I think the food and it, it, I think Korea is more fun. If you like to have fun, if you want to party a little bit, mm. if you have a good time, I think Korea offers more of that. For sure. For sure. Because Korea has emulated more of the entertainment sector of America Correct. than Japan. If you has. enjoy the nightlife, 
mm-hmm. uh, and you want to do some bar hopping and you want to hit some clubs and you want to go eat at some like you know fancy cafes and things right. like this korea is definitely better rodeo drive guys yeah up kujong you go there first because you don't really mind the people throwing up in the street the trashiness you don't yeah. mind the trash bags in the street mm. you don't mind this stuff uh, because you're excited and there's so much going on mm. and then you go to japan and then it's a little more um controlled mm. it's a little more docile even though there's a lot of people mm. and then you get to enjoy it because it's cleaner mm. if you go the other way man it ruins it for you. You're, you're correct. Like, it's, I'm thinking about different cities right now because I've been to a lot of the major metropolitan cities all over the world. And I'm thinking like the first place, if you were to ever do a world tour, the first place that you should start off with is either San Francisco or New York mm. because those are the trashiest cities on the planet, especially in certain areas. It's just absolute garbage heaven, drugs, paraphernalia, shit on the floor, piss all over the place. You start there. And then you move eastward over to Korea, Japan. Then you go to Singapore, which is clean. Um, you know, the Chinese cities are... Hit or miss. Yeah, hit, Chinese cities are hit or miss, right? I've been to Shanghai. I've been, right? Um, some areas are really nice, but they're really touristy. And, they, and yeah. they, they, like the whole, the smell and the feeling is just plastic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, it's all tourist attraction and shit like that. Um, so if you, head, if you head east, then you can head over to Europe where they have some really classy cities. Uh, some amazing, amazing places. I wouldn't suggest Paris now because Paris is under fire and it's a fucking shithole, uh, which I don't know why my wife still wants to go there. It's <laughs> fucking dangerous as hell. We got crazy, crazy shitholes over there. So that's what I would do. I'd start off with San Francisco, New York, because those are the worst places in the world. Would you agree or no? I agree. <laughs> I think... I mean, Atlanta East Side is not bad, like fucking <laughs> terrible too, trust me. I, Atlanta downtown is not, not great. I remember the last time I was in Beijing... And I went to go check out the Forbidden City, which is a huge palace, right? Beautiful place to go. Worth so, worth going. If you go, if you yeah. have an opportunity to go to China, go to Beijing and go see the Forbidden City. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's like five thousand years old, and they've done an immaculate job of like cleaning it up, making mm-hmm. it look good, etc. And you can spend an entire day just walking around that area. Yeah, true. and I can't believe people actually live there. Yeah, it's and, crazy. And the size, yeah. is the thing that is is mind blowing. Yes. How big this thing was. Yeah. Oof. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, and when you leave the Forbidden City and you cross the street, because they say China, like communists, China, USA, they hate each other, blah, blah, blah. You walk out of Forbidden City, you go down the main road, and it's McDonald's, Gap, Nike, Adidas, <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> You're like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> then, but then right next to the Starbucks, you'll see Starbucks. <laughs> the, 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 the knockoff version, yeah. right? And, you'll, and then you'll see a Nike, and then you'll see a Nikki. <laughs> if they say that China is a certain way, there's a narrative around it. Mm. Let me tell you that China is capitalism at its finest. Absolutely. Anyone that doesn't think China is a capitalist society is just wrong and they've never been there mm-hmm. money rules that place just like money rules here exactly it's not socialist it's not everyone is equal it is far from mm-hmm. and the nicest parts of china especially in cities like beijing in shanghai in shenzhen the nicest parts of those cities may be the nicest in the world and that's what i was saying that's where i was getting to there's there's some chinese like people people don't realize there are social and there's politics behind everything but behind it, behind behind that veil, if you just look at the presentation layer, it's all capitalist. It's just a matter of 
you know, in America, we have this free enterprise, free business, capitalism, where individuals can create and build companies and flourish. In China, the only difference is, is you have to get approval from the government. Mm. And if you get approval, then you can flourish. Yes. That's kind of the only, I'm oversimplifying it, you, you understand. But that's like the only difference is that in America, you can kind of build your own, grow, become successful. In China, you can do that too, but you have to get permission. Yep. Once you get permission, then you can grow. Right, because then you're supporting the the CCP, you're supporting the motherland, you're supporting the the, the government there. So, but at the end of the day, it's all about the money for sure. And it's, I think it's interesting because here in the United States and here in Korea, people are like, if you see people that are rich and not rich, they're like, oh yeah, I can be rich. Mm. So there's kind of a gray area in between mm -hmm. of people trying to achieve and become that next level. In China, you either that level or you're not, and they do a good job of okay, like you guys have money. We're gonna do extra to take care of you because you guys actually matter. Yep. And everyone else that doesn't matter, you guys stay over there. Exactly. So the nice areas are just ridiculously nice, it's and like the Disney service World. is like, it's like Disney World. It for is Disney everything. World. Everything you do. Yep. The service is impeccable. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting in China that when they bring you, uh, when you get dishes at a restaurant, it comes it comes sanitized and wrapped. Yes. So your yes. dishes. You, they open it in front of you so you know you got a clean, sanitized plate. Yeah. It's an extra presentation layer, yeah. Yeah, so you know every time you get it, you, you eat on a plate that was cleaned and sanitized specifically for you, and you're the only person to do it. Exactly. There's no like, huh, it's kind of dirty. It's never dirty. No. I, th I think that's weird. I, there are so many things that we can learn from other cultures. Uh. If we're just able to be a little bit open-minded uh. and realize that although the leadership may be bad, there are cultural things that we can learn from. Oh, totally. And maybe not of it, not all of it is great. Some things we can learn of, and not we should not do those things. But we have to be open to it. We can't just say, "Oh, that culture is bad," no matter what. So let's let's ex extract ourselves from this just a little bit, because I know that we have a lot of listeners from all over the world. We have listeners all you know all over the world. Period. And not all of our listeners, subscribers, and followers are world travelers. Mm. I will never say that you need to be a world traveler, mm. but I will say that if you can, and I want to get your opinion on this, if you can, it will be one of the most mind-opening experiences of your life. I think a lot of, just let's just say Americans, a lot of Americans lack perspective. And the reason is, is because they've never been anywhere but America. Right. Actually, if we, if you, I bet you could find surveys around this. That the average American probably doesn't travel more than like 15, 20 miles outside their vicinity. Right. You're just looking at a circumference of 20 miles, and that's you know, live, die, bread. You know, have went to church, went to school, all in the same you know 20 mile radius. And 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 what that what that causes in the individual, in my opinion is just a lack of perspective around what is going on and the different worldviews. I know for a fact, let me just speak to myself. I know for a fact that since I've lived in multiple different countries, gone to over 50 different countries in my, my traveling experience, all over Europe, all over Asia, like it makes me a, my opinion, a better, more educated, and a gives me a broader perspective of ideas. And if I can say as an outcome, it's, ensured that my mind is open to new ideas mm. and to new people and not to be ridiculously judgmental. So would you agree that being a world, world traveler or being world traveled is a boon, is a good thing? 
Or would you say, hey, no big deal, don't need to do it? What, I, what would you say? I think that if you've never left this country and you're like, I want to gain perspective on the world, I want to get gain perspective on my own personal life. Mm. My suggestion would be to go to China. <laughs> because if you go to China, number one, you figure out and you realize how small wherever you are in this country, wherever you live is, you get it. You get the idea of scale really quickly. Uh, I like that. You also realize why the small, quieter way of life that we currently live is better. Mm. You get to appreciate the little freedoms that you have, the extra space that you have, the mobility that you have. The you can feel the tracking when you're in China, oh. and it's not dangerous, but you get to experience it. What it means, what it feels like to be tracked, surveilled. You can, I mean, you can literally feel it in the air. Yeah, he, he's not wrong. Like, I'm, I'm, and it doesn't ruin your experience, but you can feel it. But, it's a thing. It, wow, you're the one of the first, maybe first or second or third people that have ever identified that. Like when I went to Shanghai, when I went to, um, uh, when I, yeah, like you could feel the Big surveillance brother. apparatus. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't affect your experience. No, not at all. But it, it created a, you could almost feel the energy mm -hmm. that something was always watching, right? And it's something that Americans, we, we're not there yet, but daggum it. Like, I think that's a good example. Like when you go to China, you definitely feel like, you know what? And, and I don't think it changes your decision making. It's, it doesn't become a filter of like, oh, I can't do this because I know that I'm being followed or I know that I'm being watched. But at the end of the day, it is there. It's back there in the back of your brain that 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 you're being surveilled and everything that you're doing is being tracked. It's it's I'm really I'm I'm I just feel good that you recognize that because that was so obvious to me when I was out there. It and was just like holy shit! Like my life is not my own out here. Like everyone, like they're tracking me. And there's this idea that in China that they hate Americans, but mm. then you go and go to a hotel and talk to the bell bellboy, talk to the counter person. And you'll realize how quickly they love Americans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That there are pictures that Kobe Bryant is probably the most famous person in all of China. You got His it. picture is literally everywhere. You got and like, oh, yeah, these Asians or these Chinese hate blacks. No, mm -hmm. like literally Kobe Bryant, every kid has a Kobe Bryant or LeBron James jersey on. Jersey. Yeah. So it just breaks all these narratives in your mind that Matrix. you have. The rulers of countries may hate each other, there may be narratives pushed to keep people divided. But the people that live within the countries, they don't really hate each other that much. You mean they're kind of like you and me? Exactly. Hmm. I remember one quick story. I remember I was in China and I was talking to the bellboy. He spoke English and he was like trying to learn more words hmm. and learn more language. I was, I was chatting with him. And he said, oh, if you want like something from Pizza Hut, I'll go running right before you. Mm -hmm. Great. And he came and brought me a pizza from Pizza Hut. I was like, well, you can come in and like chill and chat for a second because he was really excited to meet someone they can practice his English. With. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to him and I was like, man, your English is really good. You know? And he's like, yeah, I, I try. I try to study really hard. And he's like, man, maybe you, maybe you can be the manager here. He's like, oh, you can't say that. I was like, what do you mean? Why not? He's like, oh no, the manager, he knows 10,000 words. Oh, I know. I get it. He, he is taught that he can never be a manager of a hotel. Yep. Yep, I know. His uh, English was a hundred times better because he actually cared. Mm -hmm. He actually wanted to learn. He had this passion mm -hmm. to learn about other cultures. I mean, he came up and grabbed Pizza Hut four blocks away mm -hmm. just so we can spend 15 minutes together and chat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
he had this yearning to learn more. Yeah. The manager sat there, memorized a bunch of words, got his job, probably came from a higher caste system yeah, than he did. I was about to say, yeah. And this guy is taught, even though he's passionate, although he's learning and trying his best, that he will never be more than a bellboy. And I thought that was really sad. But oh, I'm glad you're bringing this up. I mean, we should unpack this for a longer episode sometime, I think. Because in that society, they make it abundantly clear that there's a glass ceiling. Yes. You can look up, you can look up and see what's up there, but brother, don't get it twisted. You ain't never gonna get there. And they make it's part of the it's there's there's almost this candor. It's a negative candor, a negative honesty. But it's they're raised in that culture where it's like, dude, you were born into this caste system or you were born into this level, and brother, don't get your hopes up. I think that's really unfortunate. It's really sad because there's no breaking that glass ceiling for a lot of them. What if? And, and a lot of the a lot of the requirements to get to the next level are completely arbitrary, like Correct. this ten thousand word bullshit. Correct. When you said that, I knew exactly where you're going with that. What if? Because in, in countries like China, you are told you can't get to the next level, but people do. That's true. So when people do, you're like, oh shit, this guy earned it mm. because they're told you can't do it, and people know how difficult it is. Mm. Here in the United States, we tell every kid, oh, you can do whatever you want. Well, we can be president. Is and everybody except Hillary. <laughs> Happy birthday! And for the longest time, I thought that was the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can do whatever you want if mm. you apply yourself. Yeah. But now, because we just give people a pass and we apply equitable uh, solutions to people and we give them extra bumps and advances in order to get people up, even if people get to high power, like a I don't know, an army general, mm. like a senator or something like that, you're like, huh? I don't know if they earned it. Exactly. Because mm. they, we are told anyone can do it. Mm. Where in China, they're like, you can't do it. And then when someone does, and they come from the small village, and they become a senator, you're like, damn, this guy's a G. This guy must be really smart and good at what he does. Mm. There is no confusion. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and sometimes I'm like, damn, but I want to be like sympathetic and empathetic to the Chinese way of doing things. So, But which, sometimes they get things right too. So which, which, which scenario is better? I don't know. The scenario where, hey, where everyone's built up and everyone gets A's and everyone gets contributions. Participation points, trophies. Participation trophies. And, oh, you're totally cool. You totally can, like, America's Got Talent, that show, is the best example of people being told their entire lives mm. that they're great at singing or dancing. And then they go into America's Got Talent at 36 years old being told all 36 years of their lives that they're beautiful, they're talented, they're skilled, and their singing is the best. And then they go on this show and they absolutely fucking suck. <laughs> exactly. So what's better? Being propped up in this fake narrative that you're awesome and that you're that you're the number one? Or is it better to have a, a kind of like a, a, a mental issue of I'm never going to be great They've never told me that I have options. I can never get past this, but if I fucking grind like a motherfucker, then I can get past that glass wall, that glass ceiling, and I can actually achieve something. So what's better, faking the funk or giving them the hard reality of like, look, boy, you ain't going to become shit. Like your life is here. It started here and it's going to end here. Yeah, What's better? I think I think before internet, when we, then especially younger generations, didn't have access to knowledge about other cultures, other societies, 
other role models, mm-hmm. telling them that they can achieve, it made sense mm-hmm. because they had no one to model. All you had was hope that you can be better, that you have the opportunity to be yeah. better. Yeah, and that one tattered poster of that singer from 1986. Correct. Right, yeah. But now that they have access to everyone successful and they all believe it can be done, maybe we need to make a shift. Be like, actually, it's fucking difficult. Yeah. Because they have the access. They have already built in hope. We don't have to give it to them already because they already have it. They already have access to it. Yeah. Again, 15, 20 years ago, they're like, I, I, I can't be a doctor. Yeah. Like, no, yes, you can. Mm. Of course you can. Mm. But now that they have access to unlimited doctors, yeah. it's like, yeah, no, actually, it's a lot of work to become a doctor. Mm. So I think mm. as the world around us changes, as access to information changes, our approach to how to address maybe the youth and teach them, maybe that has to change. Expectations are, need to be changed. Correct. For we sure. can't be giving out participation trophies anymore because people thought, oh, like, the world's against me and all this, and they had no one to relate to. Yeah. Everyone felt alone in whatever community they had because they didn't have access to other communities. Now you have access to unlimited communities, and you can always find an echo chamber that you want. Yeah, and, 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 and since there's unlimited access to success, correct? it almost... It almost creates this expectation of like, well, shit, man, of course I can become a rock star. Yep. Of course I become like LeBron. Of course I can become the best of what it's like. Eh. Just because you have unlimited access to these stars and these superstars, at the end of the day, it's still Hollywood. Like only a percent of a percent of a percent actually make it to become a star, you know? And so there's almost this unrealistic expectations in the Western world where, and that's where I think a lot of the victimhood mentality comes from. It's like, my mama and my daddy and all my peers told me for 27 years that I was the shiznit and I was really good at this shit. But then like when I, when I'm faced with reality and there's actual real judges and they tell me I suck like boo hoo, wine, wine me, you know, it's just like, there's, it's it's, the judge's fault. Yes. It's, it's Simon Cowell's fault. He's an asshole. He doesn't, he doesn't respect my gender transition. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you a question. I have to ask this question. We're talking about expectations. We're starting about we're moving in this area of growing up. Just it might sound oddball, but I have to ask because of the tip of my tongue. Do you believe that every single male should get in a fight in middle school or high school? Yes. I'm so glad you said yes. Of course. Why? If you've never been punched in the face, you live your life scared of what it'd be like to get punched in the face. Bro, say less. You have to know that number one, getting punched in the face, especially at middle school or high school, it's not gonna kill you. Actually, it's not even going to hurt you that bad. It's just going to be a little bit of pain. It's going to go away. Yeah. But you have to go through that. Otherwise, you live your life scared of every single physical confrontation in your life so ever. I told my wife this the other day. Uh-huh. I was like, I got in fights in middle school. You have to. I got in fights in high school. Especially if you're a man. I got my ass beat. Well, Yuki, Yuki, I won't tell you your last name. You might be watching. But Yuki, <laughs> Hi, Yuki. In, J- in Japan, <laughs> it was, she was like 40 pounds heavier than me. He beat my ass. Oh, I thought Yuki was a girl. No, there's a guy. Uh, he, he beat she. he beat my ass <laughs> in the park in Tokyo uh, behind the school uh, basketball court, and he beat my ass, made me eat dirt. Like, that was character building. Yes. And so when I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, I, can't, I need, it's me, I need my son to get in a fucking fight. Yes. I need him to get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. I need him to learn what he's made of. I need to, I need him to experience what it's like to, to stick up for your fill in the blank, whatever it is, a principle, a whatever, a value, or you, someone just you know said a yo mama fat joke, uh, which actually was the reason why we had this conversation because 
uh, some of my son's peers were using, doing old uh, Yo Mama jokes. Which are funny. Which are fucking funny, by the way. <laughs> um, and my son got offended, and he got all red. He was telling us this after school, but he didn't get in a fight. That's where me, I was just like, man, you should have fucking punched that kid. Yeah. Well, don't get kicked out of school. Oh, don't get kicked out of school. But, like, you should get in a fight. Yeah. It's character building. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I remember... I don't think kids these days get in fights. We talked That's why about, they don't know what they're made of. We talked about the movie Fight Club. And I remember after watching the movie Fight Club in high school, that me and my friend were like, we went to the backyard, and we're like, dude, we need to get in a fight. Mm. And he's like, oh, should we? I'm like, yeah. And we went to the backyard, and we just threw it out. We, you, we had, we, you just started throwing bows? Yeah. Me and, <laughs> me and my best friend at the time. Because we, we, we just wanted to do it. Not because we like were mad. Not because we were like, we've had a really quiet year. <laughs> I feel like this is something we've done. And we watched this movie. And they were fighting. We're like, dude, did you just sucker punch? How did you start? You just sucker punch him? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember at one point we're like, we should stop. <laughs> yeah, because it's like hurting now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you don't want your kid and the hard part is that schools these days are very hard on kids that fight, especially <sighs> in certain areas. If you're in an urban area, then they kind of let you fight all the time. And if you're in a kind of a posh area, they're like, you can't fight. And the person that self-defends himself is the one that gets in trouble. Yeah, That's a really weird thing, by the way. Whack. So Whack. Having them involved in some sort of combat sport is not the worst idea. Mm -hmm. All things considered in this day and age, mm -hmm. getting into like jujitsu or boxing or uh, taekwondo, mm -hmm. if, you know. Or judo. Things like this, I don't think are the, they're a good alternative to getting into street fights. I, in middle school, man, middle school is that time period where if you're a dude, you're a kid, you know, middle school, you're what, um, 11, 12, 13. You, if you don't get enough, ain't nobody, we're not carrying knives here. It's just fist fights. And you're, you're all of a 92 pounds, right? Not going to hurt anyone. It ain't going to hurt nobody. Huh. You might get a bruise. But like, I, I seriously think and believe that every dude in middle school, every kid in middle school, a guy, should get in a fight because it's there's so much character building in that, and it's hard to see that until you're an adult and you realize that you're surrounded by a bunch of cucks who've literally their entire middle school, high school, college year were just sucking on lollipops and experiencing no character building or no tension or no or you know no fights. They, they there's because they, and they have nothing to stick up for. And so they're spineless creatures as they mm. enter the workforce. So maybe we'll end on that. Get in a fight, motherfuckers. Go punch someone in the face. Just kidding. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. See you <laughs> next time. Go punch someone <laughs> in the face. <laughs> <laughs>